Okay, I'm back. It is uh, December 23rd, Monday, and it's uh, Buddy's owner, the Arizona Schnoodle Walks, and we're just got outside the gate, and the freeway's open. Wow, you may have heard about the freeway. And we do have a sound barrier wall, and it's interesting. The wall, the sound barrier does really well. But the issue is there's about a mile of freeway that does not have a wall. And what that means is we get a little bit of noise, you know, it's a little bit of hum. It's been only two days with the freeway where we used to have a pretty quiet atmosphere. But, uh, it was, um, what can, what can I say? It was quiet, much quieter. We had airplanes and we still get airplanes. And uh, what's the weather like today? It's a bit chilly. It's overcast. The sun has uh, come up. It's, it's uh, the 23rd, which most people, you know, the common discussion is like, well, the December 21st is the shortest day of the year, daylight wise. But oddly enough, uh, the sunrise is now 729 in the morning, which is, it was 728 the other day. So it's actually came up a minute, a minute later, and it's not December 30, 21st, right? And I think within the next week, the sunrise will actually get later to 7:35. Now, why does that matter? Just because how much it's common knowledge. Like is like, well, the 21st is the shortest day of the year. Well, therefore, when the next couple of days the sunrise should come up earlier, but it doesn't. Huh? Wow. At least not here in Phoenix because of where we're positioned on the globe. But maybe where you are, it's the same thing, too. It depends, right? Maybe only at the equator does the sunrise start coming up earlier. But, um, yeah, the point being is someone tells you that, well, December 21st is the shortest day. And then your brain's going to think, well, naturally the sunrise comes up, but it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because the sunset is later. And that's where the additional light comes from. So the as the days get a minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes longer, more daylight, it's happening on the sunset side. And that always puzzled me. And I'm sure there's a reason for it probably because of the angle of the earth and all this stuff. But that's digging deep into stuff that you probably never thought of before. <laughs> Maybe you have. And let's go, bud. Come on. So we're on our way. We're walking. And it's chilly. It's 57 degrees. And no blue sky today. Just overcast. And here we go. And I'm going to uh, turn off our Christmas lights because it's not on a timer. It's just a manual switch. So we'll do it.
And there it goes. Lights are off. All right, folks. So what's going on in this writer's journey? So I hit 50, no, 49,000 words, which basically I'm told like 50,000 words. I'm probably going to go to 60. And uh, so I only have about 10,000 words left, which is for me. I'll probably bang those out in about, I think I have two or three more sessions to finish this thing, you know. And I've got till January 6th to do it. So I will, I will make that. And I finished the major portion of the book. And now it, it, the last, the last chapters probably be a little more personal. I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with it. Um, because I want to talk about what does it really mean to live a sola spiritu ambulatio life? What does that look like? And it definitely looks different. The whole point of it is that it looks different for every person living. And uh, it just looks different. So I can't tell you what it means for you have your hero's journey. I have mine. You You are here called to do something. And that's what you do. And... It works really well when you have lots of people around you to support you in what you're doing. And it builds your confidence in, hey, I'm doing the right thing here. And um, I kind of feel lonely in mine, but I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on and uh, I'm starting to, I'm listening to a few things. So in the current world that we have, there's this magazine that probably nobody ever reads, but it has a, I don't know if the word's auspicious title. <laughs> I'm guessing that I probably heard somebody say auspicious. And so now I'm thinking like, well, maybe I know what that means, auspicious. It sounds like the title of this magazine would be auspicious. And, uh, and because of that, you know, it's had, it carries a little weight of importance. And there's no no uh, pulling punches here. This podcast involves faith and Christianity. So that is the name of the magazine, Christianity Today. Oh, wow. Sounds like a great magazine, right? It should be authoritative, right? Any magazine that says, hey, we're, we're Christianity Today, right? And the article is comes out and says, well, based on all this impeachment information, you know, this guy should be removed from office. And uh, morning, Doug. And so it, it uh, makes a case for that. And because of that, there's, you know, the other people that line up with that belief. They all take sides, you know, they're all like, oh, yeah, I like this. And I'm frustrated because I read it and I'm like, well, really, this whole article, you have to believe that the person can read someone's mind. OK, so maybe you're aware of current events and you know that we've got this president that's being impeached. 
and I kind of minimize it. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm defending this guy, but hear me out because I'm, I, I'm just like, I don't, do I really have to defend him? No, I don't, I don't. We'll get to that at the end. So this is kind of be kind of a political podcast in a way, but it's actually deeply, deeply spiritual. And what I'm noticing is, uh, well, first of all, let me let me cover the air. So, so to me, I just read it and I go, well, there's a thing called attribution bias where people will take every piece of information and just attribute the worst possible interpretation of what they see. OK, so we know there's this phone call where Trump's kind of like, hey, man, yeah, we heard something about this corruption with this Biden family. And he was vice president back in, you know, for eight years from 2008 to 16 and it looks kind of like his son is like getting paid a shitload of money for apparently no reason. So now that, you know, you ran in the Ukraine, so you got to look at it from the Ukraine's perspective too, right? So you, this guy, this new president in Ukraine has run on anti-corruption. That's how he got elected in Ukraine. So it's perfectly natural for the president of the United States to just go, hey, yeah, this doesn't look right. We don't want Americans like taking advantage of other countries and, and getting rich by doing political favors for them, right? And I just use the word political favors because now this guy is being accused of you know raising the issue simply because of politics. But nobody asked the question like, would that conversation be any different if Joe Biden wasn't running for president? And I say, I don't know. I really don't think the conversation would be any different because it's not about Joe Biden. It's not even about Hunter Biden. It's about the swamp in the government. And so all this squealing and all this whining from politicians is trying to like protect their swamp lifestyle, right? So they've got accustomed to a swamp lifestyle. So they're defending it. This is not about whether it's, you know, whether Trump is doing something like to advance his political position, it's they don't, they don't like their swamp being revealed. So that's my belief on what it is. That's perfectly legitimate to have that interpretation. But they choose to have another interpretation, which is, oh, no, this was purely political for his opponents, you know, to get dirt on his opponents. But the logic breaks down because it's like, no, that conversation wouldn't be any different. That's a prediction of mine. I, I would predict that Trump would have the exact same conversation, conversation, whether Biden was running for president or not. You know, in fact, I really wonder about the timing of when Joe Biden even announced to be president. I mean, he's been squawking off for a long time, but. I'm sure it was probably before the famous July 25th call, but the time, the reason the July 25th call took place was because that's when the guy was elected by his own people, right? So to project and attribute all these motives of politics on Trump's conversation is ridiculous, for one. And it and it's just the assumption is like, oh yeah, that's exactly why he would do something like that. That's exactly why. You know, that he would never have that conversation at all if Biden wasn't running for president. And I'm saying, like, how do you know that? You know, Hi, is that 100 percent true? Or can you read his mind? Right. So here's this Christianity article. 
just skips over the fact that the whole reasoning is based on being able to read Donald Trump's mind. And if you don't like hearing this, because you've already made up your mind, and you want to live in your confirmation bias world, fine. You probably turn this off right away. But I, I mean, I don't care. I'm walking butt. So this show goes on. You know? So, um, so the Christianity Today article, and then there's all these people lining up on the Christianity Today side that are, hate Trump, right? They just don't like him and all this stuff. And I just, I think I'm realizing that they need, they, they love this thing called the evangelical, the white, the demographics, right? They, they love this demographic saying, oh, do you realize that 81% of white evangelicals voted for Trump? And the implied message there is like, well, that can't, that's not right. I mean, why would 81%, are these guys just living in a lockstep naivete and they're just dumb and they're just so stupid but no we're the 19 percent. so i have to no one no one calls them out on this see if anyone brings up this 81 percent thing a couple questions need to be asked one is so what do you think it should be 50 percent 25 percent zero and really it would be nice if someone said no it should be a hundred percent that would blow their freaking mind. <laughs> so what is the number, right? And then, like, if you ask them deeper, you go like, so, wait a minute, the same demographic that you're bitching about at 81%, do you realize it was 78% for George Bush? So is really a 3% difference? You're going to be bitching for four years about 3%? And see, that's where they suck us in to their world. They want to claim that, well, Christians are divided. We're divisive. And I'm like, nah. Um, I've I come to the conclusion that, you know, people make a vote. They, it takes them maybe 30 minutes to go vote. They get all kinds of information. And in November 2016, a bunch of people voted. They didn't show up at the ballot box and go roll up their sleeves and look at their skin color and go, okay, let's see, I'm white. And uh, let's see, what else? What else about me? Oh, I go to church. I go to church. Might be considered evangelical. Might be. Not sure exactly what that means. But because of that, I'm going to vote for Trump just because my skin color is white. And I go to a church, so I'm voting for Trump. So they want these people want us to believe that instead of like whatever three million people, because like they also exaggerate how important this group is, right? They they they'll say like, oh, it's like you know millions of people, you know, and uh, it's more than likely just. I don't know, a few million people? Who who's fits the demographic? There's probably a number. And the point is, is people don't vote by demographics, people. People make individual choices. And so here's this group that wants to claim intellectually that they are superior and have the true knowledge of how a Christian should vote. 
which is should be received with are you absurd dude <laughs> i mean that's why i call them bipolar christians right it's like they want to tell us that you know they care about the poor and the disadvantaged and we need to do world missions and trump is bad for world missions and yet they're willing to slay millions of their own brethren and call them stupid ignorant naive and they, they're just blind to it it's like the 81 percent is open game for ridicule right and i'm even technically i would argue i'm not in an 81 percent. i really don't know to me it's all bs because it's it's a demographic people and the point being is the guys that are the 19 percent. so if you do the math there's 100 minus 81 equals 19. So the ones that you've been hearing about in the last four years, the ones that are complaining, they're all the 19 percenters. They're the ones bitching and moaning and, you know, screaming about how, how can a Christian vote for this guy? And it's like, you're bipolar in your faith, man. God doesn't care. He really doesn't care. People go, think about it. You go in, you make a decision, you take a pencil or pen and you fill it in a box. Now, are you going to like whine about that little box for four years? Are you going to jam it up everybody's butt and say, hey, man, you've got to. Um, <laughs> you've got to believe the way we do about politics, of all things. And it's bipolar Christianity because do they even smoke what they're selling? Because Jesus himself was, didn't give a damn about the Roman Empire. He just didn't give a damn. And neither did Paul. Paul wrote lots of letters. Do you ever see him saying like, well, this emperor is so bad. He, do you know that he had like sex with this prostitute? And, uh, you know, so, you know, we really got to fight against this Roman Empire thing, right? So it's bipolar Christianity. It's a mixing of politics and religion. And I would say it's not, it's even, you can take it to another level too on the politics. It's more, I'm, I'm framing it as an argument of knowledge and intellect and reason um, over faith. Okay. So this is where they don't, they're so blind to it. They're like so into their, got to be right about this. I mean, come on. You see how disgusting this Trump guy is? And I'm like, they suck us into trying to defend it. And I'm like, F you. I'm not going to defend anything that he did past, present, or future. I just took a pen and put it in a box and it's over with. And the whole issue of divisiveness is because the 19% can't get over it. They think they have some kind of superior knowledge, intellect, understanding of the Bible, right? They have some kind of understanding of the Bible that's more sophisticated because they can read Greek and, and Hebrew. And like there's a secret message for the 19% that they get it, right? Oh, yeah, we get it, man. But you 81 percenters are just a bunch of hicks from Alabama and Georgia or something, you know. So that's uh, that's the 
19 percenter. And so it's knowledge. It's, it's, it's take the politics and just call it knowledge reasoning. So here again, they're bipolar because why? Because Paul said, hey, I can have all the knowledge and wisdom in the world, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. So these bipolar Christian politician people who put politics and knowledge above faith and love and the spirit, they don't get it. They don't get it. Because they're with all their ranting and bitching and claiming divisive in Christianity, guess what? If they just shut the hell up and go, well, people made a decision, damn it. They voted. I can't fucking help it. I don't agree with it. But I'm not called here to ridicule my brothers about a choice they made. And what's ironic is they're outnumbered four to one, right? So a lot of them have platforms, right? They have their own platform. Nowadays, you could, gee, guess what? You can just start your own damn podcast. Oh, really? Can you now? <laughs> so I see the irony. I'm walking my damn dog. I don't do show prep. I don't have my points. But I can pontificate with these people too, right? Just because they pontificate. Oh, and they have a following. Oh, yeah. They built up a following. So they have so many followers on Twitter. So just because I don't, I have like one follower or something. Oh, yeah. What I have to say doesn't mean Jack because they found 50,000 or 100,000 dudes that are also as arrogant as they are. And believe in knowledge. Knowledge. Oh, yeah, we knowledge. We're going to fix those 81%. And so they rant and rant for four years. And I guess they must think that success to them would be if the, if the percentage goes down to 78%. Now, think how stupid that is. I bet you they're going to, like, cheer and be excited if the demographics come back in 2020 and say, oh, Oh, we had such an impact, people. We got that number down to 78%. You know, meanwhile, Candace Owen and other black people are probably getting the 91% that voted a Democrat. Watch that come out to be 83%, a drop of 8% blacks. Wow, man. So their virtue signaling in the black community might get their 91% down to 83%. So you, hopefully you see it's all a pissing match of who can influence who, right? It's just like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're the 19%. We're smart. We have more knowledge. We really know the truth. We know what God is, right? So again, it's bipolar faith. It says that God's not alive. That's nothing's changed in four years. We can just screw this guy and crucify some guy for basically sinning, right? They're just saying, oh, he's a sinner, you know? Oh. Gee, guess what, bipolar Christian politician faith people? Doesn't your scripture say that all have sinned? So they want to, it's an argument too. They just want to pin you into defending Trump, you know, and then we fall for it. So, you know, so many of us fall for their little straw man argument, you know, like if you say like, well, oh, you're saying that Trump's a sinner and he's terrible. He's slept with prostitutes and who else knows, knows what he's done, right? So therefore, and then if you answer like, well, what about Bill Clinton? He's no different. And then they, then they, they sucked you into an argument about 
whether um, having Monica Lewinsky give you a blowjob in the Oval Office is worse than paying $150,000 to a porn star hooker. You know, what's worse? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Should we care? <laughs> That's the whole point. It's just it's an argument over facts that are gone in the past. What does our faith say? We have a living God and the Holy Spirit that works with individuals, people, your life. You have issues. You have you may have kids. You may have um, things to do, right? But no, there's this Christian community, let's call them the 19 percenters, who know better. Yeah, yeah, they're just so smart, so intellectual. And yet they won't read 1 Corinthians 13 and see that they're not being loving to people who just simply voted. See, like just because they want to invest hours and hours and days and weeks and months and years into arguing a knowledge point. And what makes them feel good and what gives them endorphins is to have an enemy. And right now their enemy is other Christians, unfortunately, that don't believe the way they do. So they find, again, it's bipolar faith. They ignore their very own scriptures that are staring them in the face. But they'd rather listen to N.T. Wright talk about 1,600 pages of, of uh, the life of Paul and mark my words, in heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure Paul has a chat with NT and just say, dude, it took me 30 minutes to write the book of Philemon. Why did you spend three months, 500 pages, 100x the amount of words over a simple letter that was just supposed to be read? <laughs> you know? But see, if you're part of the 19 percenters, it's okay, because I, I want to believe NT right. He's a scholar, an intellectual. In all these Twitter debates the last 24 hours, or I don't know if it's a Twitter debate, but I just put out some counter thoughts like, hey, dudes, um, you know, I don't think this is really right or about this or that. And it's just raising the, kind of like the obvious, it's not hard to say, oh, really, is that is that truly the Christian position, you know? And so some woman pastor, which is hilarious because she did uh, respond to my last set of tweets. But I got more important things to do than to deal with her. So I just saw that she responded, which kind of gives me a little kick. And I'll talk about that next because it's kind of fun. But uh, she, at some point she started railing on about how that it was really, you got to understand the first century politics that the Roman Empire really wanted to kill Jesus. They really had it in for Jesus, you know. And then I'm like, really? Uh, I read a lot of the Bible and I scriptures and I really don't see that it was really the Roman Empire that did it. <laughs> they actually pulled off the actual execution. But even my, my uh, basic recollection is that Pilate didn't want to. That he said, I found no guilt in this man, you know? So that's Pilate, the guy that actually pulled off the execution. So if he, you know, was that some kind of like double head fake move that Pilate was like, you know? And so I, and so this woman pastor who's probably feels inferior because she's a woman pastor, 
And so she probably feels like she has to constantly justify her existence because she's a woman, right? But she has no idea that I'm like, I'm fine with that. Great. I support you. Be a woman pastor. Go ahead. I love it. Whatever, right? And then I'm I like, I don't know this woman. I don't know who she is. <laughs> and I don't want to crawl up her butt and try to figure out like, oh, what, where, where is she a minister? Where is she a pastor? Oh, well, oh, oh, what? Let me crawl up her butt and find out all I can about her. What school did she go to? Oh, she went to Evangelical Divinity, Upti Squat, New York School. Oh, and she had Professor Umpti Squat. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to crawl up her butt and and try to project all kinds of shit about her, right? It's like I'm just making a statement that, no, the Jews wanted Jesus killed. That's that's the history we have. That's what we have. Okay. And apparently she likes to read scholars in the original language. And it's her job. She reads the Bible every day. And I'm like, well, here, read read this, you know, John eighteen or something. Pilate said, you know, it's like and, and so the only response must be she didn't come out and say it, but she must believe that that's not really what happened. But there's scholars that would tell you that that's just made up by John because he's a Jew. <laughs> Which is also like, you really have to twist your mind to think that the scriptures that we have are all some kind of twisted anti-Semitic um, diatribe, right? And which is weird because John, Peter are Jews. Jesus is Jew. So, so why, why do you get scholars that are going to tell you like, oh no, well really you got to understand Josephus, what he wrote, and he talked about the Roman Empire and how they didn't like the Jews. Well, they didn't like Jesus more than they, they loved the Jews, but they, they, they hated Jesus, right? So they're the ones that crucified him. It's the Jews were just sitting there going like. Oh, I don't, this Jesus guy is speaking all this shit. I don't, I don't know, but it's okay. It's okay. And the Roman, they, she wants to believe that the Roman Empire was like so pissed because oh, he's trying to take over. He's the king of the Jews, and king, you know. So, so she just twists it all, and she's a pastor. <laughs> and so she's she's sending me tweets, and I'm like, I didn't ask for her to send me tweets, but as long as she is, guess what? I'm going to respond, right? So she kind of says like stuff like, well, I don't want to harm my people. So I have to be very careful in what I say from the pulpit, or, I guess. And I don't want to harm anyone. And so, you know, there's been so much anti-Semitism in the world that I just don't want to talk about what the Bible says about that it was Jews that had Jesus killed. So I'm going to... You know, I found some scholar in Umpty Squat someplace in 1870 that wrote some shit. And, you know, I believe that guy. I believe the guy in 1870 that, you know, yeah, it's not about anti-Semitism. You know, we can't be anti-Semitic. We can't keep talking about how the Jews killed Jesus. And because, look, the Holocaust, my God. Look what, look what the Germans did. They twisted it into, like, murdering Jews. And this is where, you know, I get triggered. And I'm like, okay, lady, you obviously don't know anything about me, right? So 
And how could she? I don't expect her to. But at the same time, I don't want her to project onto me what she thinks I think. So I wrote back to her. I said, well, you know, I'm not anti-Semitic, but I just, I'm telling you, the Bible says the Jews had um, Jesus killed and Pilate didn't want to do it. Now, you can read scholars and say that's all bullshit. Fine. That just means you're, I don't know what kind of church you have, but it ain't one based on the biblical scripture. It's based on scholars, revisionist history. Okay. So you either believe it, what the scripture says, which is what we have, or you make up new shit. But the original shit says the Jews killed him and it makes sense. Everything, even the Old Testament makes sense based on that. So why get scholars and believe in scholars more than this shit? You know? Then I say to her, I lived in Berlin for five years. I could walk outside my apartment three minutes and I could stare at 29 Beethovenstrasse in Lichtenrade, Berlin, 12307, Nummer. that's the zip code. And it could be just a day like today, a gray, overcast day, looking at a nice Berlin house in the suburbs, very southern tip of Berlin. A beautiful little house. And the story goes, in the 1920s, a German, a Jewish family built this wonderful house. And unfortunately, they were pulled out of that house, and sent to their deaths in a camp. And so I can walk three minutes every day and look at that house and be sad about it. That's man's inhumanity to man. And yet this woman wants to assume, number one, apparently, that I'm anti-Semitic, which, which is laughable because I don't think there's anything in my tweets to her that is anti-Semitic other than to say what the Bible says, right? So I'm just repeating and read the Bible. You, you love the Bible, but she has to say like, well, I read the Bible, but it's so complex and nuanced that I got to read the scholars. And I'm like, bullshit, you have to read the scholars. Do you think God made it that complicated? It's what happened. And then I just read today in Acts chapter three, Peter again is, he's done it twice now. His first, very first message recorded by Luke, who was hanging out with Paul. Paul didn't exactly have the best opinion of Peter. And yet Luke shows that Peter declared, who was a Jew himself, that the Jews are the ones that had Jesus killed. And, they, and he says they put him, he, the Jews gave him over to, I don't know, if, I can't remember the word, it was good men or other men. But these other men didn't give a damn about Jesus. That's the story. But because the Romans, they, were, they connived, the Jewish people connived to get him murdered. And that's not being anti-Semitic, people. That's just, that's what happened. And just because other people, whether it's Hitler or somebody, uses those kind of things to, to stir up anti-Semitism, doesn't mean we rewrite history and try to, like, say that that didn't happen or that's, that's not truly what happened. But yet Peter says it, and he says it again in chapter 3. You know, probably say it again in 4, 5, and 6. 
and I know Stephen says it. And I, I said to her, you're such a Bible reader. Every day she reads the Bible. So she's my example of just reading the Bible every day ain't it. It's the Holy Spirit. So I asked her, so did you receive the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I got zero answer. And and because uh, that's what it probably comes down to, because she's choosing intellect knowledge over what happened in spirit and what the whole message is about. And I think she's stuck on it. And I, I just, I wrote her some tweets. I remind her, I said, hey, why don't you read 1 Corinthians 13, three verses. And I gave her some other verses to read too. She said, how, how do you reconcile that with your scholars and view that, that really it was a Roman Empire power play to kill Jesus, which is total fantasy from the original experience. Multiple people not agreeing with that shit. And, and yet she wants to choose to do that because she doesn't want to harm her people. Like maybe she lives in a Jewish area and she doesn't want her people to like be anti-Semitic. Well, it's just nuance. You just have to do a better job of, of teaching that lady, you know, do a better job. And when you read Acts chapter 18 and 19 and you see Apollos, and so I'm becoming convinced more and more that the divisions in the church are those that believe that it's all knowledge and intellectual and you can reason with people uh, about why your political vote should be a certain way, which is like totally stupid because there's like no examples of being interested in politics. But the 19% are pushing it for five years, four years, whatever. And they just can't get over it. And then they get pissed at the uh, other people that just simply, hey man, I went into the ballot booth, had two choices. I chose one. And I'm not a supporter of anyone. I'm just voting, okay? But they can't get over it. Because why? Because they're invested in arguing about politics. They're the ones who are invested in trying to knowledge and intellectualize and come to a conclusion. And they need supporters of the other side so they can bash them, okay? So what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing your game, dude. You want me to play your game so you can bash me. Or bash anyone, and you bet you are bashing people. But think about it. If you weren't here bitching about it, if those 19 percenters intellectuals weren't bitching about it and using demographics and saying, "Oh, 81 percent of white evangelicals, what a bunch of bubbins from Alabama," <laughs> you know, that's the bipolar faith. They're they're claiming to be Christian and have the right views. But that's not a demonstration of love, right? So people can out-knowledge me every day. They can out-knowledge you all the time. It's never ending. That's the thing about knowledge. That's why Paul says, if I have all knowledge and all wisdom, but don't have love, you're nothing. So I will start to, number one, if I get in debate, and I have trouble with debate and arguing because I get so animated and it, just, it does get me fired up. And I think part of it is I have a righteous viewpoint on it, which is why are we arguing about it? But don't, and so I have to catch myself and go, no, 
I'm not going to freaking argue about politics because it's dumb. It's absolutely stupid. You just let people vote, make up their mind. Yes, everyone's going to be influenced by shit. But so what? Let them be influenced by what shit? You don't need as a Christian who's professing in a bipolar fashion that there's a living God and a Holy Spirit. And yet you think that you should be the influence on people, not let God himself and the Holy Spirit influence people. So because a big demographic pissing match, and I'm pretty much sick of it. So this lady, she did, she, she told me the last thing she's tweeted like overnight, I don't know what, I woke up this morning <laughs> and, and I must have, I, I've given her, I've given her plenty to think about, like read, read about, what about Stephen? Did, you know, he got stoned. So did the, the Jewish people there stone Stephen because, because uh, he was claiming that the Roman empire killed Jesus or did they stone him? Because he was saying what actually happened, which is the Jewish people killed Jesus. And it seems pretty clear from the text that the dude was stoned because he was calling out the Jews. So now scholarly, you would have to think like, well, Stephen was just an idiot. You know, he didn't get it. He didn't, you know, Stephen didn't have the real knowledge that it was really the Roman Empire the whole time. You know, you didn't really know that uh, Pilate was really Epstein in the cell, and he had dirt on all these Jews. So, so therefore, Pilate being Epstein, he was manipulating the Jews and said, we really want to get this. So here's how, I guess this is how they would have to justify it. They'd have to say that the real history is that the Roman Empire couldn't stand Jesus. And they, they just had to get rid of him. That's because they had a Roman Empire, right? And Jesus was, you know, he's kind of saying he's the king of the Jews. He's kind of being king. So the Roman Empire really had it in for Jesus. So the whole Pilate, Pilate thing was just a charade. That it was really the Roman Empire that went to these Jews and said, look, wink, wink, backdoor, politics. This is all about politics. So you guys, you Jews have got to set Jesus up You've got to claim that he's so terrible and everything because we want to, we want to crucify him. We're the Roman empire. We want to crucify him, but we can't be seen as the ones crucifying him. So we're, you guys, you Jewish guys must be the ones we just, just, and then the Jewish guys were probably, you know, going along this line of reasoning with the scholars, you'd say that the, the, the Jewish leaders we're against doing that. You know, you'd, you'd think that the Jewish leaders would be like, oh, well, um, yeah, Pilate, I sort of get what you're saying, but we don't want to do that. We don't think this Jesus guy uh, is that important. So we're not going to do that. And Pilate says, well, look, dude, I will kill you if you do not set Jesus up. You know, so this is a revisionist history thing, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And even if it did make sense or whatever, <laughs> the, the facts are the dude was killed and rose from the dead. Now, what's more important, some dude rising from the dead or figuring out the real reason why he was killed, right? I mean, I'm kind of like done with the whole argument of like, oh, it's really the Romans that did it. Oh, no, the Jews didn't have anything to do with it. 
Oh no, yes they did. Oh yes they did. Oh no, they didn't. They didn't. So it goes on. The argument goes on and on. Why? Because some scholar claimed otherwise. You know. And so some people choose the scholar. Oh, I'm following the scholar, man. The scholar, you know, he read all this Josephus stuff. And he really understood the politics of the time. We can't trust what an actual apostle who spent three years with the guy saw him crucified, saw him risen from the dead. No, we can't believe that guy. I mean, he's just John. Or, or he's, he's just Mark and Matthew, right? You know, and, and, and no, no, that, all that shit's bullshit. You know, we can't believe those guys. And that's what these weird, weirdly... I'm calling it bipolar Christianity because they're not smoking what they're selling. Now, I guess there's a lot of Christians that don't believe that the scriptures are the inerrant word of God. Because if you did believe it was the inerrant word of God, then all their freaking weird arguments about how it wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. They didn't want to kill him. No, they didn't want to kill him. They didn't set him up. No. It's purely the Roman Empire. It's always about power. It's always about power, man. But, and so, that's where we're at, folks. Folks, we're kind of stuck in a choice of, like, listening to the 19 percenters. I, I don't know if that, I think, I mean, if they, they're the ones that bring up this 81% demographic. Like I said, I don't know if I'm one of the 81%. I really don't give a shit. I mean, I can spin it one way or the other. I can spin myself in, spin myself out. I'm definitely not the 19%. But it's a stupid thing. It's a stupid discussion. And yet, the intellectuals think it's important. The intellectuals on the Christian side, this is where they're bipolar faith. So I'm not real eloquent about this stuff, but... Eric Metaxas was was getting slammed by the intellectual uh, Christians that think it's somehow you can't support Trump and he's getting beat up on it. So I sent him my little diatribe this morning. I don't know if anything will happen with it, but I think that's pretty pretty close. Morning. That that uh, Eric is more. Holy Spirit oriented than than others. So there's an old dog stumbling along. Come on, bud. Hey, Mary, are you coming on over? Are you coming on over? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pause and have a dog talk. All right, I'm back. Got a little chat about dogs trying to be kind. Am I trying to be kind or am I being kind? I think I'm being kind. Increase our kindness level. But, uh, man, do I get triggered. (laughs) I get triggered by the politics. So I I don't know what this woman pastor is going to say, but I think I may drop on her like, like she just told me, like, stop now. Stop now. And so, so like, this is one of those things where, like, who gets the last word, right? So I'm, I'm, she doesn't realize that I actually care about her, right? And just because I think her thinking is off base doesn't mean I don't love her, right? In fact, my 
commentary is actually a loving thing to do. Because probably people don't tell her what they think. They may go to her church and go like, well, all right, I'm going to this church. Yeah, it's kind of cool. We got a woman pastor. And, I, and again, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and what's, what's ironic is she has no clue, no clue that I've been participating in a church for 20 years. If I told her what church that was, she'd be like, oh, fuck, you're one of those? And her first thought would be like, though, oh, wait, those people. Oh, they're totally against women pastors. Oh, shit. This guy is like, fuck, no, we're, no wonder we don't agree. No wonder. He's one of fucking those. He's one of those, right? But she doesn't realize that just because I go or have attended that church, I'm totally fine with women pastors. Just because this church is totally against women pastors doesn't mean I am. Now, I question my future participation in that church, right? I probably am not really participating in that church anymore. But for, you know, the, but for after 20 years of being there, you'd think they would really drum into me the, drum into me the, no women should be a pastor crap, right? But see, it's Twitter and she doesn't know me. And I'm just trying to be loving. And I point out the, so she says, stop now. And I'm like, what? Do you think that's going to stop me? Fuck no. Fuck no. You, you engaged with me on Twitter. You made all kinds of fucking assumptions about my beliefs. Thinking. You don't treat me like a human being. You just slog me off as, a, as a, some demographic. And you have an opinion and you don't really want to consider anything, but you will consider scholars. So the only reason, only way that that I would have any weight or carry any influence or authority as if she thought I was some kind of scholar, right? And yet the very scriptures make fun of scholars. Peter and John, I'll be reading it tomorrow or the next day. It's going to say, hey, man, these guys are uneducated and untrained men. (laughs) And yet Peter and John... We're the guys who got a lot of this stuff started. Uneducated, untrained men. And yet now we're supposed to like respect scholars. Well, I mean, I don't mind respecting them. I love them, but they're like so theoretical, academic. And because of that, I honestly think they've overlooked the simplicity of did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What, what? What? I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. It had to be explained to them. Yeah. But they were good followers of Apollos who taught accurately about Jesus. And I'm sure this lady probably does think that she's teaching accurately about Jesus. She was like Apollos. She was excellent. And that's the, that's the danger, the trick, people, is we're listening to people that teach accurately about Jesus, but are we really walking in the Holy Spirit? As Paul said, the Holy Spirit changes everything. And yet the intellectuals, the Apollos, the accuracy about Jesus 
ignore what's right in front of their face. And it's bipolar because these guys can chuckle, chuckle, laugh about some Alabama, Georgia, Trump-supporting Christian who takes a box cutter and cuts an inflatable doll and make fun of them on their, on their podcast. And yet bipolar-wise, they're like, oh, we, we got to get the gospel to Africa, Indonesia. We got we to gotta, we gotta go get the truth to them. So you see, it's all about knowledge, truth, and pride and ego to them, not about actually spiritual love of this guy in Georgia that takes a box cutter. And we can ridicule him and say how bad that box cutter dude is, but is that what we're called to do? Is make fun of a, a dude on a podcast about, theoretically, it's supposed to be about the greatest story ever told, the greatest mystery. But they're clouding it by wanting to be correct, right? So would they argue with me and say like, well, aren't you just trying to be correct? And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be correct about politics. I'm trying to be correct about God. And what I see about God is that he's still alive and there's a Holy Spirit that you guys don't seem to be talking about. You'd rather intellectualize, talk about the scriptures and scholars and knowledge and Josephus and blah, 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 blah. And just simply read the Bible as some kind of magic formula instead of thinking about it in a simplistic way, not a under the microscope, let's do a frog what do they call that? Uh, <laughs> biology, you did a dissection. Yeah. Instead of like looking at a frog and going, cool, frog, man. You want to put it in formaldehyde and cut it open and dissect it. That's not the, that's not the faith, people. And yet, that's why it's bipolar faith. Because they're, they're dissecting and trying to be right about the words, the knowledge. And when they had an opportunity to show love to a guy that's box cutting a inflatable doll, they had an opportunity to show love to that guy. They made fun of him, ridiculed him. And that will happen to us as well if we, apparently if you wanna walk in the spirit you're going to get ridiculed. And I'm, I'm, I think that guy is, is kind of responding in spirit to his, well, maybe it was dumb. Was it maybe dumb? Maybe, I don't know. Do I have to ridicule the guy for it? Can I just say, well, maybe that wasn't a smart thing to do. Let's move on. Or maybe like, well, I could see why that guy might want to do that. It's not that big a deal. You know, maybe it's because the whole society is polarizing everyone. And there's a portion of the Christian faith that instead of unifying the Christian faith, joins in on the polarization at a political level. So faith, God, has got to be above politics, right? It's just obvious. And yet the 19 percenters want to drag us into a debate over something that you decided in 30 minutes. Boom. 
check the box, done, done with it. Got other stuff to do the next four years than defend, bullshit, argue with people that are pissed because they didn't get their, didn't go their way, whatever the fuck their way is, you know. And they're actually more spiritually like uh, the wilderness, you know. They're like the complainers. You know, Moses was put in charge, just like Trump was put in charge. And so they're, they're the complainers in the wilderness. So who knows? Maybe God will give them an Epstein-loving, corrupt organization again. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to vote my conscious people, and I'm not going to try to influence anyone else with with wisdom and knowledge. I may influence people with spirit and love. So let's influence one another with love. So how, you know, that's actually a, a now what that we can apply to today, December 23rd. Can I influence with love today? And uh, transform. Again, it's about, it's not about reformation. And I guess I would say those people are all about reforming a group, trying to get the 81% down to 50% or even 0%. I don't know what, but it, that by in and of itself is a reformation. It's a reforming of what the true beliefs are. And I'm saying, no, we've had 500 years of that, folks. All we, all we should be thinking about is transforming ourselves into having more Holy Spirit, more love in our lives. So I don't, I got 49,000 words. I'm going to finish my book. I don't know if it resonates properly with people. On the one hand, I'm thinking it's it's time to focus on transformation. I know it for myself, and I have to smoke when I'm selling. So if I just think about that and go, remember, what am I selling? I'm selling transformation, my own transformation through walking in the Holy Spirit. So this might be preparing me for future debate with people that want to suck me into some kind of political debate. And I want to avoid that. And can I take the quote unquote high ground? Can I articulate the higher ground, which is, it's all bullshit. And just let the, uh, let the people vote the way they vote. And not have a bipolar faith that says, oops, if, if it doesn't go our way, our intellectual reasons. And I guess I should give them a shout out that, yeah, okay. You can have intellectual reasoning, reasoning to not vote for Trump. Fine. Great. Enjoy it. 
Enjoy your reasoning. Why you shouldn't have a trunk. But don't mix it in with Christianity, theology, and make it sound like it's based on what God would want, right? That's like saying God wants the Chicago Bears to win the Super Bowl, right? Nobody believes that because they suck, right? So it doesn't even even line up with reality. And coincidentally, a lot of these losers that I loser think people are in Chicago. So and then they have the audacity to claim that the 81 percent live in a bubble. (laughs) And yet the 81 percent live all over this great land of ours. And they don't even recognize that the bubble is Chicago itself. So there you go, folks. Time to move on. Grace, mercy, and peace, everyone. Have a wonderful, merry, merry Christmas.